Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Kadarius Tony, potential rest of season explosion. We're about to go team by team here on the week 11 stats versus film show, which as always, Hayden Winks's fantasy usage model is the backbone, the foundation of, if you've never joined us for one of these shows, we do our best to take and show you the highlights, the tape of what all these players did on Sunday, and then go into the nerd shit that everyone in the chat absolutely loves talk about the usage and what these players metrics are behind the scenes did i cover it hayden that's everything let's get it let's get it okay we're gonna go in reverse order as promised and let's kick it off with the washington commanders brian robinson 26 carries 86 yards and one touchdown great win from this team i believe he and antonio gibson combined for 40 carries very clear that this was the avenue that the commanders thought that they could have an edge on the now non-undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, this is just basically game script going perfectly and then leading in Jordan Davis, their defensive tackle was out. Eagles run defense is not as strong as their pass defense and they stuck with the game script. I'm not sure how replicable this is next week. You know, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson both had over 16 expected half PPR points. They both get home here. Uh, I thought both of them looked fine. Nothing too crazy about the offense. They took advantage of some uh, costly turnovers and Basically, everything went against the Eagles in this situation, and these Washington running backs uh, came in here to, to profit. So I wouldn't be chasing these points too much. I still will be ranking Antonio Gibson ahead. It does help that J.D. McKissick is not out there. And then, obviously, the Terry McLaurin splits with and without Carson Wentz continue to be pretty drastic with Carson Wentz. Uh, he only had 8.5 expected half PPR points. Without him, that's 11.9. 50 plays in the first half. Washington ran. At one point, were 11 of 14 on third and fourth down conversions. We'll get into a little more on the Eagles side and how everything went against them. I did want to bring this up from Terry McLaurin, if you'll allow me to, because what I really, and this is so detailed and maybe too much, what I really care about is this little section right here. Are these slants, these inside breakers? Because we know that Terry in the past, especially last season and this year, has gotten home on these long completions, these prayers, these heave ups from Taylor Heineke. But I'm calling for a few more of these, you know, a few more, not gimmies per se, but allow Terry to run some slants every once in a while. And that's what gives you more consistency rather than asking him to put, you know, these off target 50, 50 balls 
on his back, which he can do, but I just want mm-hmm. some more of the simple layup stuff. And I think we will get that moving forward with Scott Turner. The fantasy user model has McLaurin as the wide receiver 13 over the last month. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 36. He has the inverse splits with T- Taylor Heineke compared to Car- uh, Carson Wentz. And then uh, Jahan Dotson returns doesn't really do all that much here. So I think definitely Terry McLaurin startable. Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel are somewhat startable. And then Brian Robinson, I think if you are starting him, you're probably just chasing your tail probably a little bit too much. Not a single run for either beyond 11 yards in this game. It really was just three, four, five, two, three, four yard gains over and over and over again. But that can win when you get touchdowns and uh, some, let's say, fumble luck on your side. Yes. Tennessee Titans. All this talk about players coming back into lineups, coming off injured reserve, heck, even rookies emerging in the second half after their bye weeks. Does that give you any hope? for Traylon Burks to make a similar progression here for the rest of the season. Yeah, 75% of the routes um, that equated to 7.1 expected half PPR points. The problem with all the target share stats and the team share stats and all that stuff is it's not putting any context around how much play volume there is. And I have to bring this up. Look at where the Titans are. Last four weeks in, in wide receiver fantasies. Obviously, that's with uh, Malik Willis in a couple of these games. I mean, come on, that's 14 right. points as a team. So even if he had 100% of the uh, targets, which obviously is impossible, he would still barely be fantasy viable. So I don't really have that much optimism. Can you pull that up? Because let's have a conversation about this. Because I understand that team target share puts a number that can be compared from one wide receiver to another across teams. But like you said, it it loses context of how different the values are of targets on that individual team and also just the passing volume in totality that that team is going to put out there, you know, like just take the Titans, for example, like sure this past weekend, they threw the ball 36 times in the five previous starts for Ryan Tannehill, 20 attempts, 27 attempts, 21, 25 and 20 attempts. Like if he gets a 25% target share of that, that might look great in totality. It still might just be four or five targets. You know, so what I did like, sure, 29 wide snaps, six in the slot. The passing game feels like right now for the Titans that it's a bunch of crossing routes with clear routes over top and to hopefully off deep play action, right? Yep. They also had that huge flea flicker to Nick Westbrook-Akine. There's nothing that they're doing that makes me think that they want to funnel things in the direction of Traylon Burks at the moment. And on top of that, I actually felt like against the Broncos, shockingly, the Titans passing offense came alive more so than that we've seen in the last six or so weeks. And they have the worst pass pro unit in the league among the offensive line. Mm -hmm. So this is not a passing group as a whole that I'm looking to invest into and expect things, you know, the next seven weeks of the season. Yeah, I think it's just like a top-down, what does Vrabel want to do? Obviously, win with defense, run the ball with Derrick Henry, and then if you have to pass the ball, then it's going to be basically, I think, pretty evenly split between Woods, NWI, and Traylon Burks. But uh, I'm excited to watch and see what Traylon Burks is going to have in this offense. I'm, I'm more concerned about what, what does this mean for his dynasty takes here. I think even if Traylon Burks becomes somebody that's fantasy relevant this year, it'd be as like a flex play. You know, that's where we're kind of right. hoping for. I'm not sure if he's going to get get to that level, but I want to see if he's winning on the outside, how he's handling man coverage. Are they dialing things up to him underneath? Is there end arounds? Any of that stuff? That's where I'm going to be intrigued with. Uh, not really for this year. That's a huge point because I think both you and I believe that there was a lot of progression needed for him to be a 
X wide receiver, an ISO wide receiver, a more than a manufactured touch type player during his rookie year. And that's what we can take from the next eight weeks instead of relying on him to, you know, take us to championships and titles. Great point. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So for weeks, we've been calling Rashad White the best running back insurance or handcuff, whatever term you want to use in fantasy football. Well, Leonard Fournette goes down with a hip injury that does not seem that serious. This team's also, I believe, now going into a bye. But in his absence, 22 carries, 105 yards for Rashad White. Season high, 13.2 expected half PPR points for Rashad White. Uh, Leonard Fournette had the passport issue, and that might have made Rashad Mm -hmm. White the starter. But I think even with that, uh, it seems like some of the beat reporters think that Rashad White could remain the starter coming after the bye. Obviously, we have post-bye rookie bump to get there. I thought Rashad White looked fine. You know, yep. he's clearly faster. He would beat Leonard Fournette in, in a in a race. But like the Bucks run defense or run offense is still pretty broken in my opinion. There's not that many wide open holes. Uh, I do think they're going to give Rashad White and Leonard Fournette probably different types of carries here. If I had to pick one for the rest of the season, I think I would take Rashad White. But I would be ranking them pretty close together. I'm gonna, I'm going to guess it's going to be somewhere between. 40 to 60% of the snaps coming out of the buy here. I just think it's, it's good news that they've used Rashad white and pass protection out in the flats as a receiver and in the ground game and in short yardage here. Um, we'll see what the B reporters say coming out of the buy, but I think arrows pointing up Rashad white doesn't look like a bust by any means. He doesn't look like a legendary player either, but I think that you can be become a pretty solid RB two down the stretch. If this bucks offense can improve. And that's the part I think I'm most optimistic about coming out of the bye. We can keep saying every single week that this offensive line is crap for rushing purposes. It's not nearly as good as it was last year yet. The bucks continue to rely on it each and every week with 44 carries this past weekend. Maybe that that's how they thought that like they could take advantage of the Seahawks defense. I did want to bring up this one run because I'm not going to say it's different than what Leonard Fournette could bring to the table, but this is, I believe a third and one, as we see the corner coming up and crashing the end, uh, if Leonard Fournette, who, let's be honest, has been moving like a yacht this season at times, um, he might not be able to stick it foot in the dirt, get up the field like Rashad White is, and hurdle 30 to get there, right? So this is a short gain, but just diving in and maybe, again, trying to look at this in too detailed of a way, there are little movements and little moments that I think as we always say that Rashad white brings a little bit more juice. And again, I'll mention it. If you're saying pass pro from a coaching staff, is that meaningful to you? There have been plenty of stretches this year where Rashad white has been better in the passing game than Rashad white uh, than, than Leonard Fournette. And look, I, I understand if you search for their advanced metrics, they're basically, they're virtually identical, right? Yes. Um, I just think there's more of a ceiling to the game, to the offense that the rookie brings to the table. And, I can't quit it, man. I can't quit the idea that Tom Brady during his time in New England understands like that December is the most impactful, is the most meaningful. And we saw it during his first year in Tampa Bay too. So maybe they can hit their stretch starting in week 13 and week 14. And White could be a huge part of that. To me, just like the mystery box theory. You know what you're getting with Leonard Fournette. I like them to see it with Rashad White. Give him one, two weeks as 70% of the players. If it's not working out, go back to Leonard Fournette. We've seen Leonard Fournette in this offense for a couple of years now. Um, I did want to throw out a couple of notes with Chris Godwin. Oh, uh, did score. Uh, had a little bit better of a game. 
I think the big primary difference between this year's Chris Godwin and the last couple of years is there's nothing deep downfield. This ADOD's much lower than what that is. And I think where he's struggling right now in efficiency wise, if the ball's a little bit too low, that's where it seems like he's having some struggles and turning that corner. There was that ball in the flats where he was just not able to get around the corner. He's still super physical. Hands are strong. Uh, could still high point the ball, made a couple of those passes. But I think some of these other little things, there probably are a little bit of differences coming back. And I think that there was uh, a report from the sideline uh, saying that he was still trying to get some confidence coming back from, from his ACL injury. And we see this every single time. So hopefully the bye week is another week for Chris Goblin to rest and he comes out of this. Dare we talk about the old gazelle that everyone's seeing on YouTube right now and mm-hmm. Julio Jones? Like, I was optimistic of Julio heading into this year. Training camp reports were promising for Julio. It's been, once again, an injured season for an aging Julio Jones. This was probably his best game, right? Five targets, oh, yeah. three receptions, 53 yards, and a score. Uh, if the ceiling of the passing offense bumps up, then I think Julio jumps in and dives in as the wide receiver three on the team. I'm not saying it's like a true pecking order each week that it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. I think you can easily make the case that there's going to be a week where Julio Jones potentially leads this team in receiving down the stretch. Yeah, 74% of the routes, and we haven't heard anything from the other free agent signing. I mean, we literally haven't gotten <laughs> a man word from Mr. Russell Gage. It's insane. Um, it's so yeah. true. And, and he was a priority for them, you know? He had it's, like $30 million or something crazy yeah. for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, Julio still has a Jets. This is a broken coverage. Like, as you can see, mm-hmm. we'll dial it back here. What happens is this corner down at the bottom of the screen, you can't see my cursor. I wish you could. Uh, travels with Chris Godwin instead of sitting at home, and this was probably going to be his tackle. Uh, but then, you know, just turn the corner, outrunning the angles, and uh, making a play for the pylon. Yep. There you go, Julio. Get yours. Also, Kate on it's it's over with camera right back. Yep. Which isn't, like, totally shocking. No. Tom gets his guys. Seattle Seahawks, they are now going into a bye. Only 16 points in this game. Is there a reason to you that stood out? I mean, Kenneth Walker couldn't get it going on the ground. I really think a huge part of it is Tampa Bay just got really healthy defensively. Antoine Winfield came back in this game. Akeem Hicks starting to play at a higher level. And we know like top from the roster down on the defensive side, the Bucs when healthy are one of the best units in the league. And um, I think that's just a blip on the radar though for the Seahawks starting six and four. And then after the bye, we should see a lot more fireworks from them too. I haven't all 22 this game. I watched the fourth quarter after our stream. Uh, I think like games like this, they were still moving the ball late. Geno Smith looked fine to me at the end. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf were, were doing just enough. Ken Walker, his, his box score, I think could be a little bit inconsistent over time, just the way that he runs, at least on the ground, like his efficiency, I think it would be like two really huge weeks. And then maybe two average weeks. That's just kind of the way that he runs over the course of the season. He's going to be fantastic. Um, I think that's kind of what happened here. I, I will say 87% of the snaps, though, and this is in the game when they were trailing for most of it, and that's really promising for Ken Walker. We already, we already talked about how his reception totals are already much higher than uh, spreadsheet Twitter wants to admit. Uh, so I think Ken Walker is going to be a borderline top five uh, fantasy running back, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are going to be their boom bust, wide receiver two, wide receiver three combo for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think it was just about the worst-case scenario for – Kenneth Walker in this game where some of the interior offensive linemen just got mauled by the interior of the, you know, uh, Bucks defense. And so when that happens, someone who does like to pause to stop, start is a bit jittery in their movements uh, that can equal negative rushing, you know, 
can be negative runs. And that happened today, or I should say Sunday for Kenneth Walker. San Francisco 49ers. So there's a lot to talk about here. Been some discourse on Twitter on the split 50-50 in opportunities between Christian McCaffrey and Eli Mitchell. I think this is once again a case, Hayden, where you can't just take a percentage of opportunities and say it's the same across the board because there were 44 running back opportunities in this game, and they split them. That's a lot. Over the last month of the year, Christian McCaffrey is number one in running back fantasy usage, according to my model. And even last week, he had over 20. So this is really, like you said, this is like the team share stuff that we talked about at the top of this podcast coming through. And I think specifically, if you look at this chart, look at the beginning part of the game. It was all Christian McCaffrey. I think the first four plays of the game were Christian McCaffrey stuff. They had a lot of option routes out there. They had split back sets with him and Debo Samuel. Uh, obviously, he was getting a bunch of goal line carries, had four of them. So yeah, if, if they're going to be leading in games and they're really running the ball, and I will say, uh, if you're going to be running the ball with Eli Mitchell, it's going to be against this Chargers team, obviously, just the way that their defense is kind of orchestrated. So I didn't see anything with about Christian McCaffrey. The last couple of snaps of the game went to Eli Mitchell, but that's when the game was right. a wrap. And he got, he got his 20 fantasy point, or his 20 expected half PPR points, and he got his ass out of there. Yeah, it's it's truly not a big deal, you know? Um, like you said, the three last carries that Eli Mitchell took, it was when inside their own 10-yard line, the Chargers turned the football over on a fourth down conversion. And so they weren't even trying to score. They were just trying to hand the football off and get out of there, you know? Yeah. Um, again, team percentage, team share means less when you're on the 49ers and you get 20 opportunities no matter what. It's really that simple. Mike Clay did have an interesting point where Christian McCaffrey, as you just pointed out in your awesome spreadsheet and charts, handled 11 of the first 16 carries, then Eli Mitchell 13 of the final 16 carries. I will say it's so clear when you watch this from the end zone or the sideline angle that Christian McCaffrey, again, brings this gravity to the passing game that Eli Mitchell will never. You know, There are plays now on angle routes and just routes out of the backfield where two eyes are on Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Two sets of eyes are on Christian McCaffrey, and that opens things up for Brendan Ayuk or Jawan Jennings or George Kittle further down the field. And that is something that Kyle Shanahan understands that none of his other running backs have brought to the table over the last few years. And so that is not going to be wasted, you know? So yeah. we are out of the 70 to 80% workload Christian McCaffrey on the Panthers. But if you get 60, 50% in certain games on the 49ers that still understand high value touches and opportunities to get their best players to football, it's no big deal. I want to mention, yeah, Kyle Shanahan did say that he wants an even split, but I do think what he wants is he wants Christian McCaffrey to get this team to be winning by two touchdowns and at the end of the game have Eli Mitchell to come. I think it's basically Christian McCaffrey is going to get his 20 touches, and if there's more running back touches available because of the game script or because of the matchup, then they'll get Eli Mitchell out there. Obviously, if Eli Mitchell's somewhere on a waiver wire, you have to pick him up. He would be an absolute must play. I don't I don't think I'll be ranking him inside my top 25. I think last week was pretty much an, an, an anomaly. But obviously, if, if he didn't get hurt and this trade didn't happen, I think there was a simulation out there where Eli Mitchell would have been the top three in rushing yards and rushing production this year. It, it, so. It's what we said last year too with Raheem Mostert. Like yeah. when they put him in bubble wrap and then could have let him go for the rest of the year. Eli, uh, excuse me, Raheem Mostert could have been a top 10 back last season too. I mean, to this commoner's point, Eli Mitchell could have 
games moving forward of eight to 10 to 12 touches every single time, you know, and he's talented. Oh, he's yeah. talented. He's got juice. He's got jets and he can make a crease and, and, and take it some distance. He's not Christian McCaffrey though. And again, when this team is going to be chasing points or a neutral points, and it's so clear that CMC is, is just the superior player in person and all of that. And that's why they made the move for him. You know, yep. um, the hot hand comment, take it for what you want. Yeah. I'm not reading into it too much because you're starting Christian McCaffrey. You know what? It's really that simple. Um, passing game. I have a lot of notes here. Ooh. I think Jimmy G is playing pretty damn well. This might be the best Jimmy G I've seen. There was like a, a like that. really good stretch. He went on a couple years ago, but I think he's playing better than he was last year. He's making a bunch of full field reads here. If you guys want to rewatch this kind of clip later on, but watch his head after all this. This is like second, third read for a bunch of these throws, and he's not panicking in the pocket. I went over to PFF. And his big-time throw rate is the highest it's been since he's been a 49er. And his turnover-worthy play rate is at the second lowest it's been as a 49er. He just looks way more comfortable. Um, obviously, the Christian McCaffrey option route underneath is going to be very easy for him to hopefully spam those instead of throwing interceptions. And like he's getting all the yards after the catch stuff as well. And then early on in the game, they were playing a lot of cover three. And then Brandon Ayuk on these in-breaking routes. Yep. Uh, and this, this should have been a touchdown for, for Brandon Ayuk. On this one, he had a drop. But then the other thing I noticed is the QB sneaks. I This sounds ridiculous, but I do want to mention this for fantasy quarterbacks. Is I think we're going to have a trend about the quarterback sneak at the goal line becoming more and more of a priority. And I, I'm trying to figure out which teams are going to use their quarterbacks in these quarterback sneak situations. And that's where Jimmy G got his touchdown. And there's also a third in uh, inches. And they went for it with the QB sneak. He got stuffed. And they went right back to it. We're seeing Jalen Hurts like lead the league because of these quarterback sneaks and Jimmy G's getting them. We've seen Jacoby Brissett get them. I think it could be the difference of like handing the ball off and you get zero fantasy points or getting that QB sneak. You're getting six of them. So uh, this is just more evidence. I think that Jimmy G quietly, very ugly will be a borderline top 12 fantasy quarterback the rest of the way. As long as these skilled guys stay pretty healthy. I like that. You know me, we've talked for years on programs like this one. I have not been anti Jimmy G, but put his play, let's say, in the context of who he can be and how he has been holding this team back. I think this is the best we've seen of him, as you said. And to me, that brings out the biggest ceiling that we've seen. Sure, they made the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. A few of his plays further out the remainder of that game maybe did hold them back. But this is also probably the best skill grouping he's had in that oh, period yeah. of time. And again, the stuff to Christian McCaffrey gives him an outlet that we showed against the Rams on third downs on second and longs that make those much more manageable. Um, and it's a, it's a get out of free card, you know, and that's something in the past that we haven't seen from Jimmy. And I'm with you. I even think, and this is just me hypothesizing all of this stuff with the focus during training camp, which he didn't really participate in of, Hey, we need to be stretch the field more throw outside the numbers. I think it's rubbing off a little bit on Jimmy this year. Yeah, I, I would have to guess. So. I mean, they have the weapons to, to Debo Samuel usage um, did stay in the backfield. Didn't get as many carries as he otherwise would have, but there was a lot of formations where it's him and McCaffrey in the backfield. Um, still waiting for some deep targets for Debo Samuel here um, with Kittle and Ayuk active. Debo Samuel's averaged 12.6 expected half PPR points this season. 
uh, Brandon Ayuk when Debo and Kittle are active. That's 10.6. I'm going to be ranking them pretty close together in my ranking. That's what I had last week. I feel pretty comfortable that over the course of the season, these two will even out. It's insane how inefficient Debo has been this year versus last year. I think it will probably even out over time. And both of them probably be on like that wide receiver two, three borderline with George Kittle as a elite tight end. But I put that in air quotes because none of them are really doing all that much. Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's start on the positive end and where a lot of optimism is out there for the viewers. I guess that's in Jalen Warren. Uh, nine carries wow. for 37 yards, three target, three receptions for 40 yards. You'd be shocked how many questions I get about Jalen Warren every single week. Um, his receiving down the stretch kind of clinched this game for them, to be honest. It did. It did, but he had a season-high 8.5 expected half PPR points. You're not playing Jalen Warren unless Najee Harris gets hurt. Now, Najee Harris is dealing with some knee sores. He did take a pretty big shot to that knee on his explosive run here. Jalen Warren's fine. Um, It's pretty interesting because the Steelers win. I win the bet. We're having tacos and margaritas in in a couple months. But I didn't think Kenny Pickett played very well. No. Well, he's just not that good. But this was, was, I think, one of his, his bad games. Um, the decision making is there. There's a couple plays I posted onto Twitter where George Pickens has the a, a little bit of space in tight windows in in the red area, and those type of throws you just have to hit them and go over the top and let your guys make a play. And he's just not letting it happen. There's a couple throws where he just checked it down. I think a little bit too early. He can make a play. Uh, I think his arm strength is fine enough. I don't see anything with the hands, uh, even though this was cold and windy and all that stuff. I just think that he needs to let it rip a little bit because you got someone like George Pickens on that play right there, a third and six, just man-on-man coverage and another one on the slant. Just go let George Pickens be an alpha because he can do it. We did see George Pickens absorb some of the Chase Claypool reps, which I thought was pretty interesting at the goal line. That's how he gets his goal line touchdown. There's also an end around pretty similar to what Chase Claypool can do. So for George Pickens to become a rock-solid wide receiver three, maybe to get into that wide receiver two discussion down, down the stretch, Kenny Pickett has to just release and go and let him make a play. We'll see what happens. Wouldn't you be shocked if that happens this year, though? Like, you almost need a full off-season reset to see something different from Kenny Pickett this season. Yeah. I mean, George Pickens has been playing 75% of snaps this year, like 92% of routes over the last Mm -hmm. few weeks, and he has 29 catches. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's a him thing. I'm saying it's an offense thing and really the quarterback. Like, as you said, probably as we talked about with Josh McCown, like the game just has to slow down and he just has to let it loose. Like he has to understand like, Hey, I have to sometimes take the bad in order to get the good with George Pickens and isolated coverage. And that's not happening. Long-term though, long-term. I do wonder like, what is the trait that Kenny Pickett can like shine with? Mm -hmm. Because everything is below average to average to maybe slightly above average. Yeah. And there's nothing that pops off the screen when you watch him that can say, oh, in this moment, he's elevating everyone around him. Like his best thing right now is when he gets hit in the mouth, he gets right back up and like doesn't miss a beat and then goes and does it again. He's got a little bit of playmaking to him. He can can throw on the run. I think that his decision making is where it's lacking the most. And that's that was his biggest con coming out of college. Uh, I don't think it was the arm strike and stuff, but you're right. He's. He's going to be a limited quarterback. Um, I think he's serviceable, but I'm not sure how much we're going to get more out of them this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson had one of my favorite plays of the week. Uh, first and 10, wide open, great route. All the Deontay stuff catches it, past the yard, uh, the first down marker, then comes back 
uh, for a second than one. It was classic Deontay stuff. He did have a couple uh, defense pass interference, all that stuff. It's just not happening for him. He remains the least efficient wide receiver uh, in the class. And then I made Pat Fryermuth my right. my cover image just because he's the he's a tight end four in usage. Uh, we have Dallas Goddard uh, injured. We have a bunch. Darren Waller's been injured, all that stuff. I think you're going to be seeing some top five maybe even top four rankings for Pat Fryermuth a little bit by default, but I also think that he's a pretty good player, had some uh, poor touchdown luck this last week. That was going to be my last comment. It was, this must be the highest expected half PPR points of Pat Fryermuth's season. Like it has to be, which I, I think can continue because I do think there is some trickle down when losing Chase Claypool and you get legit slot snaps and yep. legit middle of field funneling to Pat Fryermuth where that could have been Claypool in the past too. He's had at least 9.3 expected half PPR points in six of seven healthy games, which is pretty impressive. There's not many tight ends doing that. He also had like a, a back shoulder that he just missed on. There was, a, I think, a defensive pass interference uh, in the end zone. They dialed up a couple screens for him in the slot. It's all the usage and the prospect profile for somebody that you want to be betting on. So, And the other reason why I don't think that much is going to change with this offense moving forward is because the offensive line is not going to get better either. Like the offensive line is and one OC. of the five worst in the league for pass protection. And run blocking. Philadelphia Eagles. So they lost on Monday night. I understand a lot of people, it feels like this at least, we're just waiting for this to happen because the schedule that they've had has been quote unquote soft. Uh, mm -hmm. I even look back in some of the comments most recently on our scheme episode on Jalen Hurts and you get some like not anymores and that type. So I just want to like lay out. Okay. Oh, the Eagles weren't going to be an undefeated team. Oh. Well, so Two awful fumble luck situations that don't go in your direction. The face mask on Dallas Goddard, then the one where Quez Watkins hits on the exact same play that we outlined in scheme, and then he fumbles it when trying to get up and run for a score. Obviously, they can't get off the field on third down because of Jordan Davis. That is maybe the segment to take and move forward. Yep. Um, and even allowing to get in like third and manageable or third and short situations. Uh, that deep pass interception that whoever the hell that was on Washington's side great made play. great play. And then the roughing the passer at the end. Again, along with trying to stuff the run and what they did was they would basically run bare fronts or like put five men on the line that forced them then to play man coverage in the back half. And it was just a bad Darius Slay game too against Terry McLaurin and whoever else out there. But do I believe in the Philadelphia Eagles among everyone else along the NFC right now? Sure, 100%. This is just everything went against you, and even when you had an opportunity at the end to get back and win it, you had the rough and the passer penalty. It, yeah. I take nothing away from this team, especially towards the end of the season when they do get Jordan Davis back, because I'm still very optimistic about the Eagles. I think the 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, Vikings, maybe the Buccaneers, I think it's like all the same tier. You know, They're all good teams. I don't think either of them are fantastic. Uh, the Eagles have been playing the best this season. I think for fantasy purposes, the big news is obviously Dallas Goddard's going to miss, what is it, extended time uh, uh, per Mike Garofolo. This is kind of the news you needed if you had A.J. Brown and you were hoping he's going to be a legit wide receiver one. His consistency has been non-existent because of this offense. This offense has been running a lot more, and Jalen Hurts is leading the NFL and inside the five-yard line carries, and that stinks because your running backs not getting like Miles Sanders that, that hurts for Miles Sanders, and you're not getting any of these uh, red zone targets as well. So with Dallas Goddard out, I do I don't think there's another player that's going to be absor absorbing too much more target share. I think they're going to run the ball more, and it's more is going to be funneled to hopefully Devonta Smith because he's been kind of really inconsistent 
Um, so I think it's good news for, for those two, but pretty unfortunate for Dallas Goddard. I hope he can come back before uh, the fantasy finals. Not to put you on the spot. Can you name another tight end on this roster? Stoll. Jake Stoll. Wow. Jack Stoll. Jack and, Stoll. And Grant Calcaterra. Um, what, what's cool? Calcaterra. I'm going to guess like he didn't go to USC. I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, I was going to say actually somewhere in the Northeast because that just sounds like a lacrosse name to me is Calcaterra. Um, Dallas Goddard, though, what he does bring to the table is he's one of like A.J. Brown, uh, these players who shines on yards after catch. Like he is so good at taking these short screens or these short passes on the right flats and making things happen after catch that is unusual for the position. So he's matched up against, you know, linebackers or safeties. He can win in both those ways. Uh, This team is also one of the best, if not the best at screens in the league. So might we get stole or Calcaterra? I think it might be Calcaterra in that a little bit more often, maybe, but is it going to be nearly the same success as what Dallas Goddard had? No. So again, that was always a move though that the Eagles could go to when one of their other punches were taken away or to keep defenses off balance. Like it was, you know, the, the inside zone running game, right? It was then the RPOs. It was also the downfield passing. And then it was also these screens, especially to Dallas Goddard. And so without that, taking away one of those sections of the playbook and a player who wins individually too, I think is meaningful, but at the very least, hopefully this is for a playoff run that he does come back at 100% health. I just do want to see how they yeah. counter it moving forward. Yep. Uh, Dallas Gar leading tight ends in EPA per target, just an absolute dominant player. Um, any, do you see anything? AJ Brown had that injury. We'll see how, how severe it is. I'm sure he'll be limited in practice, but he was able to, to gut through it. He had his worst game uh, of the year, according to, my model so it was just it was just a weird game injuries throw it away the ball dances the other way it happens who cares new york jets i said it last week and i'll repeat it i'll own it i'm on the jets this week against the new england patriots they opened as three point road underdogs all zach wilson has to do is not have three mind melting mistakes And I I think that this team is drilling it into his head that, hey, buddy, don't hold the ball for 2.7 seconds and longer anymore. We're going to get the ball out because it was in the early portions of the season when it was bad. His time to throw was about three to three point two seconds in the last two starts that have been his best. Two point three seconds this season, you know, and that's it. It's two point three, two point four. Hit your back foot and get the ball out of there. I think that equals a lot of potential success for Garrett Wilson because he can be the primary read in those and he's the one who's creating early separation. It was intriguing to me that Robert Sala, I believe went on Josina Anderson's show and said that we are morphing Elijah Moore into the slot wide receiver on this lineup because that actually will give him some potential opportunities moving forward rather than being, you know, on the sideline for when Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson need a breather. I do want a stat called like alpha routes and stuff because I see a lot of these slot receivers, especially someone like Elijah Moore, when the ball snap, they're just running sideline to like the flats. And it's like, what what is that route even worth? So I wouldn't get carried away with any of the Elijah Moore stuff. I do think it is good that he goes back to the slot. Like you said, Garrett Wilson's an, he's an absolute stud. This is obviously his post-buy rookie bump. But um, I know the Jets are coming off the bye, but so is Bill Belichick. He's had a full bye week to study Zach Wilson. I, I wish you luck with your Jets endeavor. Oh, I'm going to be... Uh... 
going to be gloating if this happens. I got to say. Yeah. So I'm just reading this. Time to throw against the Buffalo Bills is at 2.39 seconds. Against the Miami Dolphins, 2.73 seconds. And every other game, it was between 3.1 and 3.3 seconds. So just don't allow your brain to work, Zach Wilson, and you might have a chance, you know? Where should I be ranking Michael Carter? He, right now, in the fantasy usage model over the last month, he's the uh, RB29. He had 14.1 and 8.6 expected half PPR points in the two games with James Robinson. I don't think that James Robinson's going to come out of the bye and be the the 1A. I think that Michael Carter had his best game coming before the bye, and then he'll he'll probably play 60% of the snaps here. We just got to make sure that they don't have a third running back involved here. So Michael Carter, like RB23, somewhere like that this upcoming week. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, 30-something. But Bill Belichick, the whole narrative around his defense, match coverage, man defense. If you yep. want to double up your number one player, we all know who that is. That could be Garrett Wilson. So very tough matchup for all these guys. I don't have that much fantasy interest. New York Giants. Look, if you've gotten to the Wandale Robinson hype, I think he's going to let you down. This team got back to what they've done so well, and it's running the football, even with some backup offensive linemen. And then off of that, it's moving Daniel Jones on these bootlegs and then heavy play action. And the crossing routes were going to Darius Slayton, and they weren't going to Wandale because he's a pure slot-only player, not out there in all two wide receiver sets. This team is rotating at that position. There is just... I'm not putting down one of these wide receivers or really elevating them. I'm saying they can be interchangeable each and every week. So let's not get our hopes up about any of them. We can't play any of them in fantasy. Darius Slayton right. over the last month, wide receiver 53, Wandale, wide receiver 71, and then Kenny Galladay couldn't catch a cold uh, right now. Yeah, there it's Saquon Barkley as a top five fantasy running back, and then everyone else is basically irrelevant. I was like trying to, like, to tout like Daniel Jones and Battle Royale and stuff, and it's like, who are you stacking with? Like, what yeah. could you even do with Daniel Jones? Which sucks because he he's having a pretty good season for for, for Daniel Jones. But um, this, uh, we just go to the next team. <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Are you sure you want to go to the next team? So, those who cover the team, who've been you know on this issue all season long, are suggesting that Dennis Allen is more open to it now in his verbiage of turning back to Jameis Winston than uh, sticking with Andy Dalton. I think that's notable because we have seen Alvin Kamara thrive this season when Andy Dalton has been uh, at quarterback because, you know, the distribution that he's got in the receiving game. Now, these last two weeks, for those of you out there who have been rostering and playing uh, Alvin Kamara, have probably been like, well, he hasn't been good, even with Dalton. I would suggest diving into the fact that missing two offensive linemen last week going out of the game, then this past weekend, three offensive linemen who also might be out moving forward. So that's going to tank your success. It's going to put you in third and long situations. It's going to create even more pressure on your quarterback. This team just is not good enough to have three starting offensive linemen out of the lineup right now. And I don't think Jameis Winston is really going to make that better. Yeah. Jameis would be bad for Alvin Kamara. The offensive line is really bad. TJ Watt was an absolute menace against the saints, especially the right side of their offensive line. We had a lot of Taysom. Uh, in this game, uh, like not enough for Taysom to be like worthwhile in fantasy, but really just slows the game down when he's up there at the line of scrimmage, running wildcat and all that stuff. They didn't run any plays. When I downloaded this game, I downloaded each team's uh, offense to watch it. All Every other team's like 45 minutes. And then the Saints this week is like 24 minutes to watch this offense. They didn't run any plays. There was nothing special about this. Um, there's some like downside risk, I think, with this entire team. Like I can just kind of see this kind of spiraling. Um, yeah, I'd. 
don't have a lot to say about these these saints. Yeah, I'm one series and sequence stood out to me. Down by 10, eight minutes left on their own 34 yard line. It was a third and one. They couldn't convert that with Alvin Kamara. Then they tried to sneak it on fourth and one and got stuffed again. Yeah. Like yeah. again, this team is not even close to the standard of what the Saints believe they were to all run it back and try to improve it and add some veterans. And then again, when you're missing what Andrews Pete and Eric McCoy and James Hurst, who's on concussion protocol, that's going to make it all worse. So much worse. Chris Olave, only 5.7 expected half PPR points. Um, I think play volume, offensive line play played into this. He uh, didn't come down with one of his deep targets. Then he drew a, de- a defensive pass interference. It might have been like a unnecessary roughness down the sideline. So those were like two big plays that Chris Olave has been coming down with that just didn't come down this last week. And obviously, Jarvis Landry does go out there. Um, I think he has six targets. Not going to be enough for to be fantasy relevant. Jarvis Landry also looking a little bit bigger than I mm. uh, previously remembered. Uh, but obviously, you would rather have uh, Jarvis Landry not be in the lineup for Chris Olave. So I think he's going to be a pretty inconsistent wide receiver too. And I think there's a couple weeks in a row here where I was ranking him as like almost even like a borderline wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I think I'll probably drop him down just a couple spots with uh, Landry back. New England Patriots, they're also coming out of their bye. I hope they uncovered some semblance of an offense during that bye week. But I don't know what they can lean into, you know, in this first eight games of the season, nine games of the season, they did nothing well other than the rushing attack. And lately because of injury to Damian Harris, that's all been through the spark of Ramondre Stevenson. But again, from a pure passing standpoint, they have been all over the place in the first 10 weeks. It opened with Mac Jones leading the NFL in 20 plus yard attempts. Then whenever uh, Bailey Zappi goes in, he had a, play action rate that was far exceeding whatever Mac Jones was out there. And then we get back to it in these last couple of Mac starts. And now they're trying to get back to the quick game and the RPO game and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm terrified and of, of what the, the Patriots offense they're going to put out there because I don't know if it can be good at all this season period. It just depends. Is Damian coming back uh, to full health? Is he going to eat into Ramondre Stevenson? If not, Ramondre has been uh He's averaging 20.0 expected half PPR points in his last four games. And then the only only other fantasy relevant players, Jacoby Myers, who's been like inconsistent wide receiver three, has been pretty damn good actually like watching the games of him. Uh, But he's the wide receiver 27 in usage. Tyquan Thorne post by rookie bump, I guess, but not enough to be in a a 10 or 12 uh, person league, I'm afraid. Yeah. Tough man. They they, they, they spent all this resources. Some of their offensive linemen too. Like they took yeah, out Cole Strange, God. put in Isaiah Wynn. I don't know. It, it's it's not gelling, and maybe it does after the buy, and maybe everything slows down, and maybe they get it right, and the max stuff goes away, and so on and so forth. But it's one of the worst offenses to watch in the league yeah. every single week. The last two off seasons have been about building around the offense and. The offensive skill position players are still all terrible. It was oh. so much better last year to watch. Ugh. So much better. Minnesota Vikings. So we've seen a pretty massive change here for Kirk Cousins over the last few weeks. I want to get this right. So I'm going to pull up his a average up the throw here. Yeah. So in the first half of the season, it was right around like six and a half, seven yards. Then these last few weeks, weeks nine, weeks 10, since trading for TJ Hawkinson, 
11.8 average depth of throw and 9.1 average depth of throw. So that gives us an even bigger ceiling for someone like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson, we were complaining about his deep targets just a couple of weeks ago. And now you can see he's a complete outlier. He's the, I think he's the best wide receiver in the league. I mean, him and Tyreek Hill, I guess. Uh, absolute dominant on pace for like 2,000 two, uh, yards, the most receiving yards uh, per game in the first three seasons and NFL history. Just absolute beast. And there's, there's really just no stopping this. Do we think it is tied to TJ Hawkinson at all? I do, because that middle of the field target territory is now occupied and that allows them to maybe run some deeper concepts with uh with justin jefferson and by the way davin cook now i believe holds the title for the fastest ball carrier in the nfl this season on that 66 or 80 yard run or whatever it was yeah um pretty cool yep uh tj hawkinson 13.7 12.9 expected half ppr points i think he has an argument to be top three right now los angeles rams big news here cooper cup high ankle sprain, ankle surgery on injured reserve. The Rams were already last in the NFL in yards per play, even with Cooper Cup, who at one point was on pace to break the record for receptions in a single season. This isn't a case for me where you can move your high-priced free agent Allen Robinson into the quote-unquote Cooper Cup role. It's just all going to tank from here. Like, it's just a... This was the only stick that was supporting the ice that could break. And it's just going to be even worse than what we've seen so far this year. I think. Yeah. You can't watch the Rams. This is a refresh the box score and see what the stats say, but we have to play this game. Not with the running backs. Do not, we're not doing any of the running backs. No, we're not talking about those today. No, but Tyler Higby, Allen Robinson, can you get greasy enough to put them in your starting lineup? Tyler Higby, he had 8.6 expect, expected half PPR runs, which is a tight end one. He's going to be inefficient. He'll even be less efficient now with, with Cooper Cup out of the way. And he still only ran 63% of the routes. Um, but historically, Tyler Higby's kind of been the guy that they get in the screen game a little I bit. I agree. You know? And that's what's what's sad about this. I mean, their, their team total, I don't know what it is. I haven't looked. It's got to be like an 18th. I don't know who they're playing or out of the bye or whatever, whatever the situation is. But... This team's not going to be able to move the ball. I think you can get greasy enough to have Higby as a borderline tight end one. And I think Allen Robinson, maybe you can get freaky enough and make him like your wide receiver 32 or something in rankings. But um, this often to be terrible. So a couple of notes on that. They play the Saints this week. Saints are favored by four at home. What do you think the total in that game is with the Saints that we just talked about as well? It's got to be like 20, 24. No, no. <laughs> it's like 30, 38 or something. Yeah, 38 and a half. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Uh, that line has moved since the Cooper Cup news. Three points in the favor of the of the Saints, um, which speaks to, again, him being the last stick. There was some board game. Maybe chat played it or the comments. Let me know if you did. Where you really had like a thing of ice and then you like I pressed it, opted it. And then there was also the one that you had like a, a wet paper towel on top of mm-hmm. uh, sticks and threads that you pulled out. Anyways, the last thing to fall with the marble on top. Let me know if you know the, the name of it in the chat. Um, main point being, Alan Robinson doesn't do the things that Cooper Cup does. I truly wonder, and I'm not stereotyping here, but just in how the usage that we've seen in the past, could that front side slot mainly roll when we see someone being matched up against linebackers and safeties more often than a lot of other wide receivers across the league? Could that go to Ben Skoranek? 
Damn it, Josh. He he did have a season high 9.4 expected half PPR points last week. I, I guess go watch everyone go watch the Maddie Brown video. Um, the world famous Maddie Brown video uh about Ben Skoranek. Yeah, I'm with you. Allen Robinson, I think by default, even though it's like not the same type of player, he's just gonna get more targets. It's just it has to. It's gonna be ugly though. We we gotta move on. This team's too depressing. Okay. I, the only reason I say that with Ben Skoranek, one last point, because what if you could keep Allen Robinson at the same position that he's been running that like backside X Van Jefferson, whatever the hell he's doing right now. And. Oh, we lost Josh. All right. Well, that's good news. We didn't want to listen to the Rams anyways. Um, Let me pull this up. We're going to just go to the next team here until Josh gets back. Uh, I'll freestyle a little bit. Let's go to the kicked out here. One sec. Last point. Go Go ahead. It said it wasn't my fault. Last point. 11 Rams offensive linemen this season have played 60 plus snaps, 60 plus snaps. Uh, that is zero success that you can have in that regard. Okay. Now what happened to free speech? They canceled you. <laughs> I, for real, it gave me a, a screen that said an error has occurred. It's not your fault. It, was it did not like me. Uh, it did not like me talking. All right. Los Angeles chargers. <laughs> Let me find the swipe. Uh, anyways, LA chargers. There's not much to talk about here either because, like, I think this outlines Hayden why Joshua Palmer can have a good game and then, like, a really bad game. It's just because the offense sucks right now because everything is so congested. The offensive line is is a mess. And when everything is so congested and can't be threaded, you have to have, like, special plays made by Justin Herbert, climbing the pocket, finding operable space, and then, again, firing these missiles into tight spaces. And until Keen Allen or Mike Williams gets back, it might not even get better by then. Yeah, I think for all the, the L.A. teams, uh, it's all about the injuries. Cooper Cup, uh, I think we have to just go back. I'm not – is he going to come back? We're talking about a surgery. Oh. It's like a, usually like a six-week timeline. You told me he I can't talk back. about this anymore. What are well, you doing? No, but just for like people like doing fan, like fantasy trades and stuff, I, I'm not sure if Cooper Cup comes back. I think this team's going to bottom out. And then with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, it sounds like they're going to practice this week. I'm not sure if they're going to play. This would be Mike Williams coming back probably a, a couple weeks too early uh off of a high ankle sprain we've seen players play on high ankle sprains not well and then obviously keenan over 30 years old has had a million setbacks chargers uh medical staff here um we'll see later on the week but until then it's it's just austin eckler right now all right i skipped a few teams i know so let's go back to the miami dolphins so the dolphins have punted twice in the last two games where do you want to start here uh, with the running backs, because I think that's yeah. a, the biggest talking point. Uh, Raheem Moster gets three touches on the first series, and he got the start. Meanwhile, Jeff Wilson pops in, and Jeff Wilson looks amazing. It's a Mike McDaniel offense that it was very clear in their offseason moves that they wanted to split between two players, and that's what he gets here. And both can be successful with how many points the Dolphins are putting up each and every week. I'm going to be ranking them pretty close together here yeah Raheem Mostert starts they split the two-minute drill uh last week it was just Raheem Mostert and both of them were efficient both their touchdown runs is basically the exact same type of run from about the same exact distance here I think both of them look good I don't think either one's going to separate from the other here um I think both of them are like boom bust RB2s on a good week to go into the bye I believe uh this week I think it'll be fine. I don't think either one's going to separate all that much. I mean, I do really like Jeff Wilson. Now, it is much easier to look fast 
when you have rushing lanes like this one, when five Jeff yes. Wilsons can fit into a hole, because you don't have to worry about your path being covered at all. So all backs are going to look swift mm-hmm. in this regard. Um, this just speaks to the Dolphins, man. Like, again, we haven't even talked about the rushing game that much this season. It's all working. And you can see Miles Garrett celebrating by breakdancing on the field here. And it's because even the blocking is successful. Now they're pulling offensive linemen, creating these cavities, these canyons for these running backs to go through. Uh, I I don't want to say the same thing every single week. My final point here, this was like the one time that Tyreek Hill didn't feel like the difference maker from the box score. And it was still awesome to see the Dolphins put up 30 plus points. Yeah. And Tua had this really calm pump fake with the def- pass rusher right in his face. And then boom, he hits it out. I think to Alec Ingold. Yes. For the touchdown. Yep. Like they're running it differently than everyone else. This week's scheme is on the Miami Dolphins. Can't wait for that. And if they didn't have that three game stretch of three straight contests where the quarterback got hurt, I do feel like the national perspective of the Dolphins would be shifted and they'd be considered true contenders here. I thought that was to his best game of the season on tape. Um, he didn't miss basically any throws. It was insane. There was kind of one play um, that kind of sums up what the Dolphins are. It feels like the defenses facing the Dolphins have 10 players on the field. It, there's just always so much open space. There was one play where Tyreek Hill who's by the by the way not getting double teamed he's always in one-on-one coverage i don't know how this this keeps happening uh josh mccann will tell us but he's isolated on the the right side to uh get some uh rush like a rusher on him and just drops back not selling his feet and basically throws like a grenade type of thing to the sideline and tyree kill comes back to the ball wide open first down there's so much space everywhere tyree kill scores that touchdown the rushing lanes have been open uh but but Tua right now is throwing so many accurate passes and everything's in the most efficient parts of the field over the middle, 15 yep. yards on field, spam, 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 spam. Uh, this team's very legit. And it feels like a conversation has to happen every single week of just how good Tua is. Let's, I don't know, sit back and just enjoy it because what he is very good at is his timing, his placement, his anticipation. And again, I'm going to repeat it. RPOs have a negative stigma, but when you watch Tua, he does it differently than everyone else. And like, it's really cool to see someone master a craft and he has mastered this plus what Mike McDaniel brings to the table of opening up so much space over the middle of the field. Uh, and the huge thing for the Dolphins to be a contender is that their defense has to play better. And I do believe that Bradley Chubb coming in here and allowing them to just rush with four can help that. Cause if you can generate pressure that way, the best defenses do that across the league and sprinkle in these exotic looks um, when blitzing that can make a huge difference for them again with being the story in December and January, hopefully. Yeah. Very, very stoked for the Dolphins. Fun team to watch. Very fun. All right. Not a fun team. The Las Vegas Raiders. One completion this past weekend for Derek Carr over 10 yards. Uh, Josh McDaniels is scoring at NFL.com. Josh McDaniels started his head coaching career six and zero, and his record since then seven and 24. It's tough. That's very, very, very tough. Um, don't have a whole lot of notes here. Um, Devontae Adams has some some splits with and without Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I wrote about it. He is leading the NFL in with eight touchdowns. So even all the madness around him, Devontae Adams, I would not have to worry um, about him. And then Josh Jacobs had a couple down down weeks, but rebounded with 21.8 expected half PPR points. He's he's an RB1. Uh, all these running backs, all, every player in fantasy is going to have some some bad stretches, but 
uh, yeah, this offense is just kind of kind of this. mediocre. Look at this stuff. And the worst part, Derek Carr looked his best when he was just catching it and throwing it, catching it and throwing it. Like that's finally when this team got some success against the Colts. Oh, their defense. The Raiders defense is brutal. We'll get so to the bad. Colts in a bit. So bad. Kansas City Chiefs. A lot to talk about with the Chiefs. Uh, let's start with one of the most electrifying players in football. That's Kadarius Tony. Five targets, four receptions, 57 yards and a score. Two carries, 33 yards. I had this game on the Instant Reaction Show. Why don't you give me your thoughts on how Tony was used and what you thought about his performance? So he's not a full-time player. That's for certain. Um, even with some of the injuries, he was still rotating in. I thought they used him pretty well. They gave him a couple of uh, easy touches. His touchdown, it was coming across. He was not the primary. That was not a, this was not a drawn up play for Kadarius Tony. This Correct. is just Patrick Mahomes making a play and then him hopping into the end zone. Uh, there was a, uh, there was a, this player Showman. right here, the ender bound. So nasty, man. Like he, yeah. slippery, so slippery. He has, he has that a spin move uh, later on. He had high points, a catch. He did have a drop. I do want to do want to mention that this was the play of the game for him. Breaks this tackle spin move, gets up field. So we'll see what happens with Juju and MVS, what their injuries are. Uh, the problem is, and same thing with McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman and Kadarius Tony, I, I worry that they're competing for the same type of touches and roles and stuff. But I, I think that Kadarius Tony like plays like this one shows like McCall Hardman doesn't make those type of plays. So that's why I think the ceiling is a little bit higher here. So I don't want to get too carried away with the Kadarius Tony stuff because this can go kind of two different directions. And I think Correct. a lot of it's just going to be based off availability, but this was certainly an optimistic game, just showing off his skill set. We know that this existed, but it's nice to see it in, in a red uniform. No one moves like Kadarius Tony on the Kansas City Chiefs roster. Yep. That is important to say because this team can manufacture touches for players that make plays for them. Now, in order to be a full-time player, that is a gigantic leap. And I don't think that's going to happen this season. And if it does, holy Moses, we could have something special. But that comes down to the individual in a short span of time to understand and perfect and become an expert in all the concepts and you know different alignments and so on and so forth that we've seen. Now, could that progression be potentially sped up because of the lack of pass catchers that they have available. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, mm -hmm. awful concussion, right? Uh, as you said, Michael Hardman dealing with an abdominal injury. So if we can do worst-case outcome and best-case outcome, I think that's a fun game to potentially play here, Hayden. Okay. okay? Worst-case outcome, Kadarius Tony gets four touches manufactured for him every single week. Do you think that's fair? He's, he's McCall Hardman, I think, is worst case. Or like maybe slightly even lo lower than that just because he can split time with McCall Hardman. I don't think that's the most likely scenario, but that scenario does exist. Do you think that they would just immediately move off of Michael Hardman once he's back? Mm, I can see them. And use that package, that that role for Kadir Sony, who Michael Hardman's no slouch. Like in that situation, he's been very pr productive in the past, especially this season near the goal line. But even he doesn't move like Kadarius Tony. No, he doesn't have the, the side to side Correct. ability that Kadarius does. Uh, so that 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 that's the worst case. Yeah, is best case not to use hyperbole here, but is best case like he is the number one Chiefs wide receiver mm -hmm. in weeks 15, 16, 17, 18? Yeah, I, I think that's that's certainly within the range of outcomes. He's he's absolute 
stud out there. If, if he can get if he can get this thing together, they can really use him. I, I will say it's not just that Andy Reid uses this type of player in this offense with McCall Hardman. We've seen it before. The run game has been so bad. I think a lot of it because of the running backs. So we Isaiah Pacheco got better usage. He still is not doing anything for me. CH has not been doing anything for me. I just wonder if like at the end of the season, especially in the NFL playoffs, if they say screw running the ball at all, all of our run plays are just going to be spamming it to McKinnon out in the flats, McCole Hardman jet sweeps, Kadarius Tony in the flats and doing all this stuff and say, we're not running the ball at all. This is how we're going to get teams out of too high uh, looks here with, with these skill players out in the flats instead of trying to run it over the middle, because I don't think Isaiah Pacheco is very good and they're, they're not even trying with CEH. I love that. And this offense is so built on creating space for receivers to win after the catch this season too. Now, We've done the low outcome and the high outcome. The answer is going to be somewhere in between. So stare into your crystal ball. When you look at expected fantasy points for Kadarius Tony, let's say over the next three or four weeks, the you know the the types of spans of the schedule that you like, like to look at, where do you think he's going to rank in those? And even is it going to be consistent week to week, or is he one of these spike yeah. week players that we love in best ball but can be frustrating in managed leagues? Yeah, last week he had 8.5 expected to half EVR points. I think that's going to be kind of where he lives. I think in usage, he's going to be like wide receiver 40, very inconsistent. And I think he'll be like a wide receiver three flex, uh, depending on the injuries. I, I do think like he's like the perfect player uh, in the a fun tournament. We haven't talked about it really much. Uh, is the way too early NFL playoffs best ball on underdog fantasy promo code the show uh, will deposit match up to $100. You're drafting today for scoring in the NFL playoffs and you have to really correlate. And I think Kadarius Tony, by the time we get to the NFL playoffs, now we're talking about Patrick Mahomes with Kadarius Tony. This is when I would be going really ham. So go try, go try this thing out. Uh, 50,000 in prizes, 10 K to first Um, way too early, but really fun. Just make sure you're stacking. I think Kadarius Tony, as the season progresses, his usage will get stickier and And it's on him. It's on him, you know? And, And I think he's trying right now. I, th- I think he is too. The other part of this is he's not purely a manufactured touch player, or just a slot wide receiver too. During his days with the giants, small sample size, but we saw him win as an outside wide receiver as well. Oh yeah. So it's not like he just has to be a juju replacement or just has to be a me replacement again. And it's impossible for us to know, but if he wraps his head around what this offense is and what the game plan is each week, he can succeed as an outside wide receiver. And this team has struggled to have one consistently. Rest of the season, I go Juju, then Kadarius, then MVS, then McCall Hardman. That's okay. how I'd rank him. I like that a lot. Uh, I have a whole clip on Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Save it. We, it doesn't we, matter. We can put it up. What it's going to show you is the guy is a frenetic runner and just runs into the back of his offensive lineman, and he's the one who's getting the opportunities, and that is great. I think we can all agree that the early season touchdowns for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was just like – a lot of luck, a lot of regression that has now hit to the running back position in general for this team. Um, I, th- I think that's all we can say about this running back grouping. To me, it is a situation that they are going to try to improve on this offseason and then just get by with what they have right now. And probably Jarek is the most reliable player that they have. What stood out to me, and I said it on our instant reaction show, is immediately after that red zone fumble, Isaiah Bacheco got the carry at the start of the next series. So it's very clear in the opportunity they had to go back to Clyde Rizzo there. They did not. And so Pacheco is the guy for them, whatever that is worth. 
Pacheco's a starter. He has the best odds of scoring a goal line carry touchdown, but I would rather have Jarek McKinnon straight up, especially in full PPR. He's out there. He's, his ex- expected half PPR points have been higher. His role is bankable. And we've also seen Jarek McKinnon for stretches operate as a bell cow. And if we, if what we said is they're not even going to try to run the ball, Jarek McKinnon would profile as somebody like that. So McKinnon for a dollar or Isaiah Pacheco for $20 on the waiver wire. Give me the McKinnon for one. And the goal line running back for the Chiefs is not equal to goal line running backs on other teams because they get incredibly creative with the play calls that they have in that area. Shovel passes, push passes like we've seen to Michael Hardman, multiple tight end sets and lobbing it up to one of those gigantic skyscrapers. Uh, That is more likely to score than a guy carrying the football in at the one-yard line. Yep. So we just did the Kansas City Chiefs. Next up, it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought it was a huge game from Trevor Lawrence. I won't go into it more from the instant reaction show. Did you have a chance to watch this one yet? Yep. I watched Trevor Lawrence. I thought what it was pretty think? good. Uh, a couple, a couple of plays got away from him. I thought he was all right at the end of the game. Uh, he had a couple of good drives towards the end. Christian Kirk was absolutely amazing. That slot fade touchdown to Christian Kirk. Perfect yeah. pass. Um, a, a throw from Trevor Lawrence to Marvin Jones or Zay Jones down the sideline might as well be a quarterback spike. Those plays just have no chance. Um, but he's pushing the ball. He can definitely maneuver in the pocket. Doesn't take that many sacks. Uh, he's he's progressing. I thought it was, I thought it was a good game for for Trevor Lawrence. No no question. A lot of them were going to to Christian Kirk as we talked about in our matchup show. All right. I don't need to say any more then since uh, you aren't as he was good. He was good. He wasn't fantastic. He was good. No, he was fantastic. Okay. He really was. Uh, the comments, you see the comments are coming after you now about uh, why are they coming Lawrence. after me? Oh my gosh, we're not doing this again. Go and watch the games, everyone. Okay, Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan hit on 17 of his first 21 passes, uh, a bunch of checkdowns, a bunch of crossing routes to Paris Campbell. Uh, Maybe the number one thing to talk about here is, is Jonathan Taylor, who had his best game of the season, and it even checked in with the miles per hour rates. I know you love these. 20.64 20.64 miles per hour in a 66-yard touchdown run. His first 20-plus yard miles per hour carry this season. He reached 20-plus miles per hour on 16 touches since entering the league in 2020. So if the statement, JT is back, that's the closest we can get to it, I think. It seemed like the Raiders, their next-gen stats, they were running about 16 miles per hour uh, on that touchdown. Uh, JT looked all right. I didn't see anything from this Colts offense, to be honest. Same. Great win. Cool for Jeff Saturday. Love all of it. Interesting game just because it was absolute chaos. Um, Matt Ryan didn't play that well. No, nope. Michael Pittman didn't do anything for me. JT looked all right. I think that the big thing is just uh, this for the spreadsheet nerds out there. 94% of the snaps, the fantasy usage obviously came back up. Uh, this was a, a fun little play for to Jonathan Taylor. Um, I On guess the that, that, down. Was the fun, that, that was like the fun thing yep. of the game, but it's the Colts still. I mean, the reception totals might be the most important thing here. Now, Deion Jackson, when he comes back, he might take them away. But so many of these runs were just yeah, like one, two, three. It was difficult. The yeah. offensive line isn't even close to what it was last season. And a huge part of it is definitely that home run 66-yarder. And at least we saw that in the tank here. But I'm just terrified of this team in general and believing that okay, now we can trust Jonathan Taylor as a top five, top seven back over and over and over again. Uh, Because I didn't see that 
consistency from this Colts offense. And then, you know, the next time that they play, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, it's Indianapolis Colts against the Philadelphia Eagles, then the Colts against the Steelers, then the Colts against the Cowboys, and then the Vikings. Like that's, that's a tough. pretty tough stretch with the Steelers now having TJ Watt back, you know? Yeah. So you have the w- easiest matchup against the Raiders. And now you have a row of four matchups, which I think is going to put all this maybe back into perspective here. Yeah, the the Colts pass more than they did with Sam Ellinger, but Jeff Saturday is going to run the shit out of the ball. So yeah. that's good news for Jonathan Taylor to some extent. Uh, Sam Ellinger and uh, Matt Ryan aren't anywhere near each other when it comes to just actual skill. So this is good news for Michael Pittman. You can get Paris Campbell to have a couple random spike weeks here. Um, I think Michael Pittman's averaging like three more fantasy points, expected fantasy points with Matt Ryan versus Sam Ellinger. That gets him back into at least the wide receiver two discussion. Um, but I don't think that this Colts offense is going to be all of a sudden sexy. I can actually see them being still like bottom five the rest of the way. Yeah. And maybe the most important note is it's very clear after what Jim Mercer says on Twitter and so on and so forth, that this team is actually trying to win now with Jeff Saturday where it was arguable if they were trying to win when Sam Ellinger was that quarterback in the final stages of Frank Reich, you know? So at least when you're trying to win, you're trying to score points and that equals fantasy points for all of us. So that's a better environment in totality than what we were getting in the final days with Frank Reich and Sam Ellinger. Paris Campbell just randomly 13.1 expected half PPR points in his last three games with Matt Ryan. That seems pretty fluky, um, but he did have that long touchdown uh, on that crossing route where the Raiders so slow. I can't but believe it, man. That's the territory where Matt Ryan's going to throw to, you know, it's right. not Alec Pierce down the field, despite that touchdown he had against the Jacksonville Jaguars to seal it. That was like his only downfield target. Basically it's all these crossers. So Paris Campbell was probably the one who does that the most. And then Michael Pittman can win. Who was just a better player overall can win in multiple phases. So I understand Paris getting peppered yeah. in that area. I think he's like a flex. Okay. Houston Texans. Damian Pierce, 17 carries, 94 yards, three targets, two receptions, 28 yards. The rest of this offense was crap. Uh, And this team just added off waivers, Eno Benjamin. I'm not panicking. That does nothing for me. Nope. Does nothing. Do the Texans do anything for you? Is there anything you want to say about this team? Uh, Primary note, Brandon Cooks only ran a route on 62% of dropbacks. He was on the injury report, but he also got his captain tag stripped from him. So you can't start Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins had a a pretty decent game uh, season high uh, in usage, but man, this team is just egregious. And also the Eno Benjamin stuff, like don't pretend like Eno Benjamin's like some good player. Like I was surprised he got cut, but like he's what a, a six round pick was performing below expectation that he got his chance. Like these like yeah. chase Edmund types backs. They, they pop for four games. We create a cool highlight tape from them. And then we overrate them for the next two years. I think that's what Eno Benjamin's going to happen to him. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, at the final stage of this game, too, Damian Pierce was being targeted on screens and mm-hmm. design receptions. I think that's important versus what we were getting in the first week. Obviously, it's been a huge transition and transformation for him. He's such a good player. Such a good player. Okay. Big conversation here. Green Bay Packers time. Rookie Christian Watson. Rookie Christian Watson. Eight targets, four receptions, 107 yards, and three scores. So you had those... Three touchdowns on three receptions and then just one other catch on a third down conversion. What stood out to you when watching him? Because from my seat, 
Aaron Rodgers, despite having the second highest percentage of passes behind the line of scrimmage this year, is, and this shocked me, third in the NFL in 20-plus yard completions and is throwing to that area the seventh highest rate for a team that did not have a deep threat. They weren't using Romeo Dobbs in that category. Al Lazard has been filling in there. Christian Watson, at the very least, is an easy mover with deep speed. And he's a full-time player with Romeo Dobbs. That's why I was on him last week. Uh, they get rid of Amari Rodgers. They might get Randall Cobb back, but that doesn't really matter because all those guys are underneath targets. And that's kind of where Alan Lazard kind of wins for the most part is underneath. And Christian Watson takes the top off of it. He got a lot of good look matchups. Now, obviously, he had to win on those, but a lot of one-on-one coverage, no safety help to get downfield, and then he's definitely got the athleticism. So when the Cowboys played all that man coverage and left Christian Watson on island, that's when his skill set takes off the most because he's basically all athleticism. To this point, he's very yep. inconsistent ball tracking. Like That's a perfect example. That probably should have been a touchdown, but on against man coverage, you run, want all these routes running away from defenders, and that's when... He had most of his production here. Uh, we we saw way more Trayvon Diggs on Alan Lazard this entire game, and obviously the cornerback two for the Cowboys isn't as good. So uh, I don't want to get too carried away here, but I do think the Packers are going to get a little bit better th- down the stretch here. Uh, just it seems like Aaron Rodgers is a little bit more confident with his skill guys, including Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs is still out. Um, I think it's probably still a coin flip who's going to be better, Christian Watson or Alan Lazard, for the rest of the season. I'm sure that some people are going to be going absolutely bonkers for Christian Watts, I think both of them are going to be like, what, wide receiver 30 somewhere in my rankings? Yeah, and, and you know, he's a rookie wide receiver, and people really want to buy into that. He's an imperfect player, and early on, it, it shows you why. I mean, this first one, you can see him clap at the football instead of allowing it to come into his body. As you pointed out, that deep reception almost could have been a third touchdown or a fourth touchdown, uh, and he just tracked it incorrectly. But despite being an imperfect player, he he's exactly what Aaron Rodgers needs at this point, because again, there's no one to take advantage of these single high looks. And what stands out to me is anytime a corner thinks he's even with him, he's not, he's just gliding right past you. And you see it on these downfield routes when single high safeties. And then you also see it on the crossing routes. Like when he is passed off for this later touchdown uh, from the cornerback to the safety, the safety who is trying to stop start cannot keep up and then it's gone. And so look, This, in many ways, is MVS 2022. A guy who's going to drop the football. So for all of you haters of MVS over the last few years, I don't want you to now be like Christian Watson's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, There are, right now, current iterations, the exact same player. Now, because he's a rookie, an old rookie, albeit, can he improve and get better and fix these holes in his game? Sure. But he's going to be a spike week player right now because this isn't like a nuanced technical route runner at this standpoint, but for how bad Aaron Rodgers has been this season, we still see downfield dots him throwing. And so this is their best bet to take advantage of that. But that's in comparison to let's say the consistency lower ceiling, but the consistency that Alan Lazard brings to the table. Yes. Um, Other thing I noticed here is how much the Packers ran the ball. Like, you just didn't see Aaron Rodgers drop back that many times, especially early on in the game. He's he's dealing with his thumb injury, and I think he got it, got it banged up somewhere going into halftime. Then they came back, and they were running the ball a ton here too. So there's not a bunch of volume in this offense um, in general. So 
yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'll be ranking both Lazard and Christian Watson somewhere around wide receiver 30. Would, rest of the season, would you prefer one versus the other? It's about so, the same. I wanted to bring this up because on the waiver video, hopefully you all check that out with Hayden Sosa every single week on Mondays. Someone asked the question, should I drop Al Lazard for Christian Watson? Is this just what life you want to live playing fantasy football? Do I want the spike weeks or do I want the six for 62, the five for 59 Alan Lazard life and hopefully get a touchdown out of that and probably leads. Cause I think Alan Lazard is still going to lead this team in targets inside the 10 and inside the 20. But Watson has this ability as you saw, because he is all athleticism right now, just to burn right past the entire secondary like MVS and has the better shot at a 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown. I think I'll take Lazard because I know that his role is secure for the rest of the season. If Romeo Dobbs comes back eventually, then like it's similar skill sets. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Lazard's gonna be more consistent. You know, I don't think his role is really going anywhere. And then we'll see if Christian Watson. I guess there's some a little bit of mystery box theory where if Christian Watson's better than what I thought as a prospect, um, then he could be better. But this is kind of what I saw with Christian Watson: inconsistent, can make a play downfield. He's in that at least the right role. And I don't want to like throw out his future, you know, but I'm just saying for what he is right now and how little he's played this season, this is who we're getting and what we're getting. And that, that can be valuable. And it's definitely valuable what the Packers are offensively at the moment. Yeah. Michael Parsons generated zero quarterback pressures, but only had eight pass rushes, like you said, because there are so few true dropbacks that Aaron Rodgers had in that game. Detroit Lions. So first I'm on Ross St. Brown. It was basically impossible to fail with the usage that he has. I mean, there was so many cool concepts that the Lions ran that it made me believe that we could not necessarily get back what we had the first two weeks of the season. But again, it was too big to fail with this type of usage, you know, because it was stuff out of the backfield, literally designed routes at running back. There's also these return routes, uh, just empty space. And obviously you had the intermediate crossers and deep crossers from him as well. Uh, love this. Cause again, he's not as flashy as other players, but like eight, nine, 11, 12 receptions, definitely in the realm of possibility every single week for Amon Rossing Brown. I don't see why this can't be similar to down the stretch last year. You know, yep. no TJ Hawkinson is going to be all of this stuff of the other wide receivers aren't, aren't worth mentioning. It's, it's all him and they scheme him up, you know, like when, when they lose skill position or talent around him, it's so obvious what the OC is going to do. They're just going to draw plays for uh, a Monroe St. Brown within 15 yards on the line of scrimmage. So um, I think this is very sticky. He rebounded had a 14.2 expected half PPR points. Um, I'll be ranking him probably inside my top 12 for the rest of the season. Love that. Okay. Let's have the running back conversation then. Uh, and I want to bring up DeAndre Swift's stuff because he finished with just six carries for six yards. Uh, did have a score on that. Uh, one reception for six yards um wasn't good <laughs> really wasn't good and this is a situation where you know back-to-back weeks they played him a very small number of snaps uh the it sounded more positive heading into this game yet you arrive at this game and justin jackson is playing over deandre swift in phases of the contest and what's frustrating about this is on Friday coming into this game, he was a full participant. He was left off the injury report report entirely. Uh, sound like they were more optimistic that they were going to get him going. But so I, I don't know if, if this is a benching. Like, I mean, he's not, he obviously didn't get fully benched, but if they're just going to limit his touches, are they saving him because the season's trust. lost? They don't want to put him uh, with 20 touches in a lost season. Is this trust issues or is this just come back to the tape and what we discussed 
before the season where get him out in space. Sure. Very but electric. That, player, but just, like, have, yeah. have you seen this snap? It's a screen that is perfectly set up for him. Like I'll pause it right here. After you make 64 miss, which is a great move. This is perfectly blocked down the field where you see Eddie Jackson flying in one-on-one. This could be a big play waiting to happen. And instead DeAndre Swift takes it back to the middle of the field for a six yard gain. Yeah, it's tough. This is brutal. And I understand it's just one snap and we've seen so many great pass catching moments from Swift. That's his calling card. That's his best trait. But I do wonder if we've already seen the best of his season, you know, and Jamal Williams. Goat. I'm not that dude. I love that dude. That's why he's my favorite player in the league. (laughs) God, you love Kenny Pickett and Jamal Williams. I like Jamal Williams too, but like rest of the season, it's very clear. Jamal Williams is, is head and shoulders above DeAndre Swift the rest of the way. Ooh, I'm not sure if I can get there. Maybe really, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to really, I had him like back to back in my rankings. Um, last week yeah man i need coaching quotes because he's either not healthy and they're lying on the practice reports or the coaches don't think he's as good as what the fantasy community does it's one of the two and i'm nervous either way denver broncos i got nothing here jerry judy's injury doesn't sound like it was as bad as it looked like on that first throw uh but you can blame nathaniel hackett you can blame the offensive line you can do all that stuff Russell Wilson, third down heaves. This is the name of the game at the moment, and it's a flip of a coin if Cortland Sutton's going to come down with these conversions uh, along the sideline. And if he does, he might have a solid week. And if not, it's not going to be good for the Broncos and Sutton on your roster. It's really that simple to me. Yeah, Sutton had 13.1 expected half PPR points. A lot of this is prayer yards. He's been a below average player, uh, according to my model. We'll see what the Jerry Judy thing is. Like, it seems like it's an injury that we've like never really dealt with. It's like a a muscle in his ankle, like behind his ankle. Like I, I don't, I don't remember anything about this. So this is like kind of the wild, wild west with, with Jerry Judy. The yeah, Russell Wilson's not very good. The offensive line hasn't been very good. The play calling hasn't been very good, and the defense is very good. So you're getting no fantasy points from anybody. Um, yeah, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds can't play any of them. Basically, I believe it's the best scoring defense and the worst scoring offense in the league. So that's a joy to watch with so many points every week. Our only saving grace is Greg Dolchich. I know it was really bad. He only had 4.6 expected happy PR points, but he did run around on 82% of dropbacks. If you are doing fantasy rankings, you would still have to be ranking Greg Dolchich inside the top 15 because nobody's running 82% of the routes. Um, it is what it is. Did you see this tweet? The Bron- If the Broncos had scored exactly 18 points in regulation of every single game, they would be 8-1 this season. This defense is legit, and they've they've been they've had some <laughs> injuries, and they traded away their player. Like this, it's a very impressive what their defense is doing. I mean, that's that's incredible. Where your offense can't even post eighteen points for you to to be good this season. It's, it's been everything this year for the Broncos. Uh, Dallas Cowboys up next. About to pull up a clip. The twenty twenty one version of Dalton Schultz is back in our lives here in twenty twenty two for better hmm. or for worse. Hmm. That's weird. Um, yeah, they're, I, I believe, number two in fantasy usage uh, to their tight end over the last four months. Dalton Schultz wasn't on the injury report coming into last week. Um, and this is the exact situation that he had coming into the season where Michael Gallup is out there, but he's not the same Michael Gallup as it was before. They're s- certainly looking for a second option. They're looking for a reliable option because him and CeeDee Lamb aren't on the same page all the time. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb blew up, had a great 
uh, game, he's going to be very good. But Dalton Schultz underneath, man, he's gonna he's gonna go eat. So it's locked into the top five fantasy for the rest of the way. Locked in, like no like no questions asked. I know, I know. It's so funny though because, and I don't mean this in I mean the most respectful way. Let's put it like that. There's nothing special about Dalton Schultz. Like he releases after these delayed passes and then boom, I'm going to catch it. Uh, I go into the flat. I catch, I catch ball. I fall to ground. Uh, he's going to be an offensive coordinator in the league and he's going to be a hell of an offensive coordinator. He, he knows where he is. He has great nothing hands. special about him. And this is just my bias and how I really gravitate to, you know, awesome skill set players. And Schultz just isn't one of those, but at the same time, like he, I can respect him for putting up so many points, but there is nothing different about Dalton Schultz, except now that he's healthy and now like they're running a lot of play action. And then, like you said, the other pieces, I'm not saying are underperforming, but they're not healthy at all. And um, it's just the exact same version of what we saw last year, you know? So I don't know if I have anything else to say about him. We we see tight ends with this <laughs> physical profile though, like have decent fantasy seasons. I know I think he just we like, can do can't it make a person miss for his life. Um, Michael Gallup, yeah. Just just to recap, there's a couple of routes like at the stop the top of his his route. It just he doesn't have the same juice. I got to stop you from the Dalton Schultz stuff. Uh, Michael Gallup is just not right right now. It's as simple as that. So we'll see what, you what talk happens. About these running backs the because yeah. um. You had the comments from Skip Pete, I believe, the running backs coach, saying, well, we don't want Tony Pollard to play more than 40 snaps. As Daigle talked about the instant reaction show, he played like 70 snaps. Yeah. Um, I'd expect him to go back to a split backfield once Ezekiel Elliott comes back. And until then, even if we, if we were getting just 40 snaps out of him, Tony Pollard was shoved into your lineup no matter what. Um, who knows what happens again once Zeke comes back. I am buying into... The coach speak over and over and over again that Zeke is going to be a significant part of this offense. But again, I think the two differences are what we saw from Tony Pollard this past weekend was gains of four, five, six yards and nothing long. And when we have seen him uh, split backfield with Zeke, he's reeled off 30, 40, 50 yard runs. And so you can get home in both ways. You can. It's just more difficult to start him when he's not playing 30 plus snaps in a game. It sounds like Zeke will be back this next week. So we'll talk about in the rankings. I'm sure everyone's going to be ranking Tony Pollard really high. And I'll probably say, oh, Zeke Elliott looks okay. All right, let's go to Cleveland Browns. Um, they opened with a deep shot to Donovan Peoples-Jones. He also drew a pass interference in the end zone. Uh, I tried to spend part of today uh, uncovering the science behind Amari Cooper and his home and road splits. Uh, I've gotten comments on both ends of the aisle. Let's put it that way. Uh, Maybe the most interesting comment to me is sometimes random figures can look like they're not random and in a sequence. And maybe that is what is happening here. The other side is maybe Amari Cooper doesn't have sleep number beds on the road and just doesn't get Mm -hmm. a good night's rest. I don't know. It's weird. And I don't want to spend too much time on it, but there's science out there somewhere and someone needs to uncover it. Yeah. It's either randomness and mathematics and how everything else in the world operates, or is it the, the temper pedic for, for Amari Cooper? We will, we will see. Uh, yeah. I don't have a good answer for you. He's just an inconsistent player. Um, 
yeah, this this team's not that interesting to me. I I, I did want to make a note that they were trailing this entire game, and the Kareem Hunt only gets three point seven expected half PPR points. Nick Chubb catches a couple passes, and this historically has been the game scripts where Nick Chubb has like really bottomed out. He did not have nearly as good of a game as he typically does. Um, but there's a higher floor, and that's what's made him instead of like a, a low end RB one, a mid range RB one this year. So sh- sh- shout out to to Nick Chubb. I forgot to do it an hour ago. If you've made it this far, if you're new to the channel, be sure to hit thumbs up, hit subscribe, uh, and check out the rest of the content that we have. We do appreciate you. Next week, Thanksgiving slate, we are going to have a battle royale just for you guys. Rake free. On Get the in there. Don't make me look like an idiot out there. We have to fill this damn thing uh, in a couple shows it's from just now. for the viewers of this channel. Yes, That's it. just for you guys. Rake free just for you guys. It's the first of its kind. So please, if you like us, fill it. Yes, it's that simple. There's 662 of you in right now. You guys all have to play. Damn it. Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they're coming out of their bye week. What I love about the Bengals, actually, over the last four games, you know, you had those, the one against the Saints, the one against the Falcons, where it was pure shotgun. Let's get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands very quickly. Uh, spray it over to Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, who was healthy during one of those games, and T. Higgins. That worked tremendously. You know, the game against the Browns where they couldn't run, they couldn't do anything, they were getting sacked, they were getting pressured. And they come back against Carolina and run it with Joe Mixon 22 times for 153 yards. Um, we've seen a little bit of everything from them. Uh, I don't know what Chase is on track for this week or moving forward. It doesn't sound great. doesn't sound great. But I kind of believe in this Bengals team a little bit. It's the Steelers and the Titans and the Chiefs. So tough opponents, but... I'm more confident about this team now than I was, you know, five weeks ago or six weeks ago. Jamar Chase was seen on crutches this yeah. week from a beat reporter. Okay. So, and this was a very weird injury, kind of a uncertain what the status is with this injury. Not so on IR. Like, yeah, there's. I don't know what to say about Jamar Chase. Um, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, their usage has been down since Jamar Chase has been out. That is clearly noise. Uh, they had that really bad game. Joe Mixon scores five touchdowns. Um, they'll rebound. I, I'm guessing T Higgins going to be somebody I'm going to be talking about on the matchup show. I'll be ranking very aggressively. Uh, other note, Joe Mixon, most expected half PPR points per game on the season of any running back. Wow. Number one overall. Insane. The touchdowns hit against the Panthers. That's for sure. Chicago bears. Huge change from Jared small, as he pointed out. Weeks one through five, they're running 55 plays per game. Weeks six through 10, 71 plays per game. Uh, everyone knows about the rushing promise and production that Justin Fields has had in the past. So I asked our buddy Justin Weaver, thanks for cutting these clips for us, Weaves, uh, to only go through the passing place of Justin Fields. And there's a lot of goodness here. Uh, you'll see from that angle, he is using his athleticism to buy space as a thrower reset and then boom hit now you know let's say some patient let's buy some more time let's point wide open other times offensive line gives some time goes to his second option you see his eyes dart and move around finds the open receiver what we call this is just progression it's patience and if you have the best athlete on the field at quarterback who does really special things and changes games with his legs and then is improving here as an in-structure quarterback, which you did a lot of at Ohio state. Then 
hopefully heading into next year, you have the complete package and that is dangerous for everyone out there. Yeah, he's incredible. It's, it's mostly no. his athleticism, but the in, in, in pocket progression has, has noticeably improved. I, I incredible. I, I think is a connotation for perfect. And I, I, I want to say he's still imperfect. Like there are definitely oh, plays 100%. that you want from him every single game back, right? Like three or four were like, why did you make that decision? Why did you roll into pressure? You need to be more accurate and even more decisive, so on and so forth. But we're seeing that far less now than we did three or four or five weeks ago. And I think that's all that we should care about. Truly. He's a special talent on the ground as a quarterback special, not like a dual threat, like a special, special, special player. Um, and that's where the fantasy appeal comes from. So obviously some tougher games coming down the stretch. Uh, but I think you ride Justin Fields as a top five fantasy quarterback right now, for sure. Like I'd have him over Hertz or uh, not over Hertz, uh, Herbert, Joe Burrow, those types, get him in that Lamar Jackson territory. And then let's see how this thing uh, questions up. Uh, Cole Komet, his production, I think has been a pretty fluky for the most part. Now, like you said, they're playing, uh, with more plays per game because the offense is improving. That's good news for Cole Komet. But right now his 2.7 touchdowns over expected lead the tight end position. That long touchdown was on kind of a, a busted coverage uh, for 60 yards. You don't see that too often. Uh, I don't think Cole Komet's some special player, but like you said, just if he's playing inside the pocket with just, even if it's just 10% better and then he's scrambling with designed runs, those are first downs and first downs just mean there's more target volume in the offense in general. So Darnell Mooney, I think has big playability as a flex play Cole Komet. You have to be playing him as like a low end tight end one. And then Justin Fields. I mean, you can put up, you can only name a couple of players that have his, his rushing ability, like all time in the NFL. His he's so fast and strong. Just before the show, Cleo Herbert was put on injured reserve. Sounds really bad. Yeah. Uh, even if he comes back, who knows what shape he's going to be in. Uh, David Montgomery was thrown under the bus by the fantasy football community for most of the season, disrespected. And now you're going to love him because he really might be the difference in one of these weeks between a win and a loss for many of you. This stood out to me so far this season inside the red zone, Justin Fields, 19 carries, Khalil Herbert, 19 carries, David Montgomery, 19 carries. Wow. Uh, they are throwing more often inside the red zone over these last few weeks than they did previously. It was typically leaning on Herbert and Montgomery. You and I have been on the DeMont train for much of the season. Again, believing he is more talented than given credit for. Uh, now, with the backfield to himself, this is top 15 status every single week, if not more than that, right? It would be close. I'm because of all the designed runs, especially at the goal line, like you said, it's kind of turning in one of these situations. Remember, like before the season, I always talk about how the Ravens backfield always seems sexier because like the efficiency is up, but the volume is kind of down with Justin Fields kind of operating the way he is right now. It doesn't really operate to that many running back touches, targets and stuff at the goal line. Um, but like you said, obviously, with Khalil Herbert out of there, I don't think they're going to be using an RB2 in the Khalil Herbert role. David Montgomery is going to see 70, 80% of the snaps that gets them to around RB 15. I don't think this makes David Montgomery like a top five, top 10 fantasy running back, mm. but he goes up a tier and his floor is certainly higher uh, with Khalil Herbert out, at least out for four weeks. And this could be a rebuilding team. He's their young player. They might not even have to rush him back. To your point about goal line inside the 10, Justin Fields has eight of those carries for four touchdowns. 
Cleo Harbert had six for two scores. And Dave Montgomery so far this year only had two goal line carries. Two carries inside the 10-yard line for one score. So just more of... And I understand, like, again, now that we understand who Justin Fields is as a play caller, I'm talking to you, Luke Getze, as, as, you know, an offense to build around him. Uh, Justin Fields in that area is more special than any other player that they have. But you could have some read and give situations that James allows... James Conner, I mean, yes. Dave Montgomery did yeah to to get those opportunities so yeah i'm excited and chase claypool by the way he goes from pretty good usage to non-existent usage and like they target him on one go route at the end of the ball game when they're trying to come back for a victory so maybe they felt like he wasn't ready to be a part of this game uh after him being there for an extended period of time and it's almost like a week-to-week standpoint where we have to finally see him turn the corner as a full-time player in this offense for him to be in your lineups i think that's he's droppable Oh. Shoppable. Okay. <laughs> he was he was behind Equinemius St. Brown, uh Byron Pringle. Um, you want me to name some other Bears no, wide receivers I, he was playing I get behind? It. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Carolina Panthers, God, long show. Uh back to Baker Mayfield with a PJ Walker injury. So the natural question is: does this tank DJ Morgan? Because Baker Mayfield was tanking DJ Moore earlier this season. It's weird to ask that question because you know, PJ Walker had games, and at the very least, he was willing to take risks. And Baker was just horrific and unwilling to take risks. And when he did throw it on the field, it was off target and non-existent production and just prayer yards. Um, and if it doesn't take anything away from DJ Moore or that drastic where he's falling out of lineups here, Hayden, it certainly does to whatever semblance of existence. Terrace Marshall is generating in this lineup too. So for DJ Moore, I mean, I think the bigger split is just without Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. And that's the bigger good news for, for DJ Moore. He's been over the last month, the wide receiver 18 in usage wide receiver 22 in production. So Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, Sam Darn, like, do we really think that any of them are much but better than the other? I mean, it has. a little and bit. I, but... I think part of the reason it has though, is it's been tied to the offensive line improvement. Because the Panthers' offensive line over the past couple weeks might be playing like a a top twelve unit across the league. Yes, versus you know when it was starting to gel in the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, I think long story short, I'm not going to move DJ Moore in my rankings because of the quarterback change. Uh, Terrace Marshall didn't do anything; only had two point one expected half PPR points, but he was out there eighteen of nineteen routes. Uh, this is because they were winning the whole game. Deontay Foreman uh, goes off. Again, this this whole team's game script dependent. If they want to run the ball, so if they have a lead, which we're not expecting too often with the Panthers, Deontay Foreman's going to get fed. If they're trailing, Deontay Foreman comes off the field. They play Blackshear and Chuba Hubbard in passing situations, and that's when you can get Terrace Marshall on a random week and get DJ Moore as like a legit uh, wide receiver too. So it's really just how fluky are, are these game scripts. I'm guessing the Panthers are going to lose most of the games down the stretch as they should want to. Yes. Buffalo Bills, was this Dawson Knox's highest expected fantasy points of the season? Because he certainly felt like it was more involved than normal. It was. There you go. They obviously uh, faced the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. A little spoiler for that game. It might be feet of snow. (laughs) Did you see this? I I did see a a tweet, but feet of snow terrifies me. Someone is predicting, I think, 31 inches of snow. Damn. Um, so we'll be monitoring that. 
moving forward. Uh, I don't even know. This is kind of one of those games like the Eagles where I don't know what to say other than there was a period of last season for the Buffalo Bills where they lost like four or five games or played really bad in four or five games. And this might just be one of those stretches uh, of, of the season where it's just bad Bills football and some of those turnovers create that. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm out. Like, if you ask me, not 31 inches of snow. Am I starting Gabriel Davis every single week? Damn right I am. I like pain. Yeah, Gabe Davis, season high and expected half PPR points at 14.9. We so we'll, we'll get to the weather later later in the week here. Um, yeah, this is turnovers. You can't win in the NFL with a bunch of turnovers. So if Josh Allen, when, when he's turning the ball over, uh, they can lose in overtime, but that's still like how good of a team they are is he has these fluky turnovers or not. I shouldn't say fluky. He has these, these red zone turnovers and they still have to lose in crazy um, fashion. Wow. <laughs> Why do you guys live in the upper Northeast <laughs> move? This is ridiculous. Um, I did. I did want to bring up one more tweet though, uh, because it does reiterate again, like where Buffalo where we thought of them last year in that Chiefs game uh, as, oh my gosh, best offense in the league. Uh, they're right up there, just one or two plays, and it's the difference between them and the Chiefs. They went through this stretch last year. I lost the Jaguars, I lost the Colts, I lost the Patriots in that awful weather game, and then I lost the Buccaneers. So four losses in six games. Like, again, this happens even to good teams. You know, it's tough to win in the league and say consistent every single week. So let's not, let's not go too crazy about Josh Allen and regret what we say in uh, three or four weeks here, you know, could we get nine? Does Naeem Hines play better in the snow? What he's playing four snaps per game. What's up with this? That's making that trade. Doesn't make sense right now. And I trust them to make it make sense towards the end of the season. I you know? agree. Baltimore Ravens. They are coming out of the bye. So I guess my question, will we get predictable running back usage for them heading into any contest the rest of the way? It depends on on injuries. If Gus Bus, that's plays, what I mean, though. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake will be. I'll I'll trust Kenyon Drake. Uh, if Gus Bus is out, but if Gus Bus is back with that hamstring injury, uh, we'll go from there. We we can't really talk about them. I, I I think the big decision thing is like the wide receivers. If obviously Isaiah likely, we put him in inside the top ten. If Mark Andrews is out, he's at ten point eight and seven point four. Is there any other wide receiver that you can remotely trust to Marcus Robinson, Devin they Duvernay? They tried is to make Deshaun Jackson a thing, you know? Yeah, and that lasted 14 minutes, sadly. <laughs> I was in, amazed at how much of a focus Deshaun Jackson was on the field, like off the practice squad, onto the field. We're going to get you as the vertical route runner. They know that they need someone to stretch the field, and they just don't have it. And I'm pretty nervous. Like, okay. Here's a question. Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson rest of the way? Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson? I'm going Lamar. He's better at passing. <laughs> Chat, let me know. Comments down below, let me know. Uh, I'm a little nervous that this lack of a separator, an X, whatever you want to put it, on this team brings everything down a bit. And I know like Lamar to Mark Andrews is really good and Lamar rushing is incredible, but... It's not quite what we saw in the 40-plus point games earlier this season when Rashad Bateman was involved, and I don't think that's going to improve. Yeah, but the Bears have the same exact wide receiver problems that the Ravens have. And I'd rather have Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is by far the best skill player between both of those teams. Um, yeah, this is we, we, the running back situation will get figured out. Mark Andrews, all that later in the week. If uh, Is this a bet that we're going to have rest of the season? 
Fields versus Lamar? Yeah. Please. Let's, okay. Let's go. If you lose, you have to watch Waterworld and come on here and reveal what the plot line was to everyone. And uh, if you lose, I get more tacos. The second second thing at the combine. Jeremy. All right. We'll close with the Atlanta. Fa- no, we got two more teams. Um, what did you read into the Cordell Patterson usage on Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers? Because I know some people got nervous based on not full-time CPAT when we were expecting full-time CPAT. Well, I guess like the optimistic lens you can view this is it was a short week and CPAT's old playing off the injury. But the negative view is they have like four running backs they all want to use, you know? So like CPAT comes out here and barely is involved. He had season low 4.0 expected half PPR points. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but Tyler Algier is playing on the passing downs and they keep giving Caleb Huntley some carries. I think it's like Avery Williams guy still a little bit involved here. And then the Falcons, we know what this offense is very limited in general. So CPAT has to be amazing on his touches because I don't think Tyler Algier is going to be going anywhere. So it really just comes down to, are they going to get rid of Caleb Huntley? Um, I'm not sure. I I don't feel very confident with the CPAT stuff. He probably should have been a sell high after that big week. Um, Yeah. I I, I don't know where to put him. Where would you put him in rankings? I don't know. RB 22. Like there's a certain point where it's like, you can't even name these players are so bad beneath them. But especially now that like the clue Herberts of the world are gone and like, you can't even write Clyde Edwards or layer anymore. You know, like I I would rank Cordero Patterson over Isaiah Pacheco every week. Same. I would too. Um, But he's like clearly beneath like the David Montgomery's like Najee Harris or CPAT. We're getting in that territory. Yeah. So, and every week on Twitter, people call for Desmond Ritter. uh, And then every single week you get shoved into a locker by Arthur Smith, who is not going to play Desmond Ritter. Like it sounds like he is running this season with Marcus Mariota and that's it. Maybe we get to week, I don't know, 17 or 18 and he throws out Ritter. But uh, it seems like this is, he's totally fine with what's going on at the moment. Yeah, for the podcast, it says, if we were going to make a change, I'd tell you, you'd see that practice. And then he had some he had some more vicious quotes in that one I saw. So, yep. um, yeah, same same, same as old for Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I, I, Drake London back-to-back weeks with at least 10 expected half PPR points, but it is what it is. Arizona Cardinals, a few things to talk about here. Uh, let's first start with the injury news. So, Zach Ertz goes down. He ranked fifth among all pass catchers with 40% of his team targets inside of the 10-yard line, was sixth in red zone targets inside the 10-yard line. Uh, Now, does this mean that Trey McBride instantly absorbs all of that or have things changed from a few angles? James Conner comes back and he's more relied upon inside the 10-yard line. And during that production run for Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't in the lineup either, and he has changed you know, how they are progressing through their 20 red zone, 10 yard usage as well. So for Trey McBride, I haven't watched this last game and I need to do this because I think it's going to be a pretty important ranking because we know Zach Ertz has been a tight end one coming into this game though. I've seen a bunch of really bad reps from him. So I wasn't going to be that optimistic. And like you said, Marquise Brown, they they think that he's going to be coming back somewhat soon. They said at worst case, after their bye, which I think is week 13. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't love Trey McBride as a prospect either, to be honest. Uh, he, he was like a, he was like a production guy, but like, yeah. I never really saw it, like saw it with him all that much. Uh, my biggest note here was, was James Conner, 96% touches or uh, snaps, 
Eno Benjamin gets cut. It's Keontae Ingram, USC great, and James Conner. I think James Conner could be uh, an absolute so league winner. You didn't even like Keontae Ingram coming into the league. Shout out. Here's James Conner stuff. This is massive. This is why they paid him. This is why we drafted him where, where we did. Um, again, it's weird, the Eno Benjamin stuff, but I think it speaks to like Steve Kime being Steve Kime, Jonathan Ward maybe coming back off the practice squad or oh, IR. You have Darrell Williams maybe coming back healthy too and you had to cut someone, so I guess it's Eno. But what this means is there's a huge difference in pers- perception from how this team utilized running backs last season versus this season. Last year, it was Edmonds plus Connor inside the 10 and 20. This year, it's Connor everywhere now. And I know he's let us down because he's been injured, but Cardinals aren't great. But what is great is James Connor's usage the rest of the way. And I'm going to trust him much higher than, let's say, his fantasy points per game uh, has dictated so far this season. There's no way that anyone to be ranking James Connor higher than we will. You yeah, know, it's just it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, last week, 19.9 expected half PPR points. He's not going to go on the same run that he had last year because the offensive line is beyond tattered. Uh, when's the last time you've seen Rodney Hudson play good Dude. football? I mean, they're on their backup center, right guard, and right tackle, I believe, at this moment. It's really uh, bad. And, you know, that hurts the rushing success and all of that. Um, but again, it's not going to be dominating on touchdowns like he was what first or second in the league last season. But if we get more of this production between the twenties, which we got nearly none of other than when chase Edwards was out last year, then that can at least raise the floor a little bit. We're not just solely touchdown dependent. Like you would have been if he was, you know, if this was 2021 yeah. all over again, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, I'll take James cook over Damian Pierce rest of the season. James Connor. Yeah, James Connor and versus Damian Pierce. I like that uh, 49ers next though. And then the chargers right after that. So we will see. All right. That's going to do it. Steven, no one, Patrick, Trevor, Victor. Appreciate you all tuning in as always share the show and the channel with one of your friends. I don't care if you think it's your secret weapon and if you're winning your league because of it, send it to the last place person who's out of your league and be like, Hey man, get better next year. Check these guys out. Or just play battle Royale and get ready for the Thanksgiving slate. You guys better not disappoint me uh, or I will get fired. We're going to fill this thing. We are. I mean, I'm going to promote the crap out of that. Get ready, folks. Next week. We have a scheme episode coming out this Friday. Hayden and I will be back here on Thursday and Friday for other shows as well. We appreciate you supporting us. Over 30,000 subs is nuts. You know, let's make it 300,000 at some point. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.